This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor and I'm joined by the full squad today with David Brady and Jordan joining me today. Um, got a couple of uh, Panther athletic news uh, of a variety of uh, topics to hit on today. Got a little bit of football news as the spring game is finally upon us here. Um, the basketball signing period is officially open. Have some news to talk about there. And then a little bit of a baseball recap from a wild weekend of Panther baseball. But I'm going to throw it to Jordan first to get us a little primer started on the Georgia State football spring game. All right. So indeed, as Taylor said, the spring game is upon us Friday at 6.30 p.m. The blue-white game will take place with drafted rosters this year. So captains slash general managers for the blue team, Hardrick Willis and Roger Carter, coached by offensive coordinator Brad Glenn, and captains GMs for the white team, Dante Wilson, Shamarius Gilmore, and their head coach will be defensive coordinator Nate Fuquay. There is a roster that the football Twitter account put up online. If you're curious, perusal, we have retweeted that. Uh, first overall pick, center Malik Sumter. First defender picked uh, defensive lineman Trey Moore. Michele Calcerto is on the blue team. Darren Granger, the transfer from Furman, is on the white. And starter Quad Brown will rotate between the two teams. So, gentlemen, thoughts about the spring game? I, I love the idea. Um, I When I heard about it, I was like, oh, all right, let's get some more excitement going about the spring game. Uh, I It was going to be a case of wondering, like, how are we going to look out for who to look out for, you know, like who's going to be lining up at which teams. And now I, I enjoy that they've got this roster and they really hyped it up. They put a video out earlier where commissioner Elliot was running the draft and announcing all the picks and they were squabbling over snappers and stuff. And uh, yeah, I I'm excited for football. I think these things in the past uh, have been where there's not a full roster. And so you've got random guys filling up the roster and maybe not even filling it to the point where they can really do what they want. And as we've talked about all spring, as we've talked about Georgia state football, the roster's deep. And so they've been able to get young guys reps and have a full roster and be able to do something like a draft. And so all good things, all exciting things. Uh, David, uh, what's your impressions on the division of the rosters? Uh, like we said, there's, it's online. Georgia State football tweeted out. We'll make sure that we can get a link if you're listening to the pod and wanting to see it yourself. But uh, blue versus white, what you got? I really like this white team. Um, and I like what you said about it being a complete team, it being a complete program. So you have this division split up between guys who are probably starters on both sides of the ball for each team. Um, I will give the white team a little bit of an edge. Um, I'm not going to go through the entire roster because we'll be here all day, you know, but just looking at it, they have the entire defensive backfield, um, Qua White, Ant Lane, Chris Bacon. You know, you've got Dante Wilson, Jeff Clark up front. I mean, that's I know that quad's going to be on both sides. And, you know, the blue team definitely has an advantage in the receiving department. But oof, I really, really like the players on the white team. Um, and, you know, and kind of going back to what you said, it's so just watching the social media posts that were put up about this. It's crazy to think that this is a thing that Georgia state can do now, you know, before when you had the spring game, it was like, okay, you've got probably 
11 guys on both sides of the ball that I mean, those will be your starters, but truthfully, you're just 11 deep on each side. There's 22 guys that can probably play, you know, and that's about it. But I think there's an argument that they're, you know, 15 to 17, 18 on both sides of the ball that can play. And, you know, maybe your stars like Sam Pinkney is not going to be on the white team. You know, that's obviously a hole for them, but that it's just the spring game, but that makes the Georgia state football team better when you can reevaluate the team and have a draft like this. And that, you know, that's one thing that I'm excited to see just because there's players and there's depth on both sides of the ball. Uh, the one thing, uh, I guess, first pick Malik Sumpter makes total sense. Uh, probably would have been my first pick as well. I was interested to see the first defensive player was Trey Moore, who is a guy that has played uh, each of the last two years. I believe he got a sack in the bowl game against Western Kentucky. He hasn't really been like that guy as far as in the fall. So I'm very interested that he was the guy that got picked first. I'm wondering if that means that he's a guy we're going to have to circle, watch out for this weekend, because maybe he's the guy taking a step where, you know, whoever, whichever team he ended up on, uh, as I checked that quickly, the blue team obviously likes something when they finally were picking off, uh, picking defensive players and they picked him first. Uh, I will talk about the blue team because uh, I, David's right. There's a lot to like about team white, but what I will say is aside from that, you have Sam Pinckney at the top tier, uh, one of the better receivers on the team with the blue team. You've got some guys that have been shouted out at Darius points during the spring as guys that have been taking steps. You've got Robert Lewis, Jakaius cradle in the receiver room that have at different times been mentioned uh, you've got the the young freshman tight ends, Chris Bird and Amon Green, who both uh, this past week, Coach Elliott had a lot to, good to say about them because they've been playing a lot this spring and that they've been showing a lot of potential. You've got Jamil Muhammad and Shamar McCollum, both new to the linebacker rooms, but uh, guys that we have a lot to be excited about. And so, and then Trey Moore, like what I just talked about that obviously there's something like there. So I wonder if uh, the upside play is interesting there with a uh, team blue uh, interested to see what happens with that. Uh, yeah. I, I think that uh, blue team has the chance to maybe make the sneaky move. Even if David's right, that the consensus pick might be team white. And I'll, you know, I'll say the thing that will probably propel Georgia state this year is if some of these guys, you know, that we are looking at in that upside is high category. If the, if Georgia state is hitting on those guys, that absolutely means that they're going to be hitting their goals and, you know, playing for the Sunbelt championship. So I love what you said about the blue, uh, team blue, because I mean, you're exactly right. There's such intrigue on that team, you know, which isn't to say that there isn't intrigue on team white, but I think, you know, there's, guys who are a little bit more established, you know, but if Georgia state is, you know, hitting home runs with some of those guys that we're, you know, we got those questions about the Mohammeds, the Lewis's, you know, I mean, if Chris bird turns into guy, then obviously Georgia state is tight, tight end you that I'm putting it out there right now into the world tight end you this year. Let's do it. And I mean, the, the implied thing with all this is the second half is going to be running quarters. Uh, we don't know the distribution, but I'm assuming it's going to shade towards a lot of the younger guys rather than the guys that we know uh, that 
that played a lot during this past fall because you want to avoid injuries and guys like Sam Pickney, the captains, Hardrick and Roger, they don't really have to show a ton to the coaching staff. The coaching staff know what they're going to do when the lights turn on in the fall. And so <laughs> it's probably going to just turn down, come down to what guy maybe in the later rounds that got picked uh, steps up and makes a pick or something for either team. Uh, it's a little bit like maybe preseason NFL football at times by the end of it, just because that might be, it's just going to work its way down the depth chart as the game goes on. So at the same time, it's live football. We haven't had that since December. So of course we're going to do it up and we're going to maybe make predictions and do a whole thing with this. I want to push back on that Sam point because I have to ask, is it even fair that he plays? Because one, it's a spring game and it's not televised. The sports sports center cannot broadcast his highlights. And two, I mean, what more does this guy need to even prove? Like, why is he even taking snaps? You know, I mean, I want to see him in the spring game, but you know, maybe somebody can just hold a camera on the sidelines just so I can see it. But <laughs> and I was interested that uh, I wasn't sure how they're going to do this quarterback division, but they are doing each of the teams getting an all time one and then quad is going to rotate. Not sure how that's going to look. Uh, not sure if we're reading into that, that you know, quad is going to play less because, again, he's the starter and they've seen a lot of him. But see, I'm excited to see the quarterbacks live and it's not going to be a situation where you're going to have to check is McKeeley or is Darren with the twos this time or the threes, like because it's a team whole roster, there might have times where they play with the ones and the twos and the threes, but they're going to be the quarterbacks uh, with, but you're going to get to see them with every part of the roster. That includes, they're going to get to grow with the starters on uh, their respective team. And so, as much as spring games can tell you anything uh, when quarterbacks have non-contact jerseys on and uh, the playbooks and the pressures are uh, dumbed down uh, for the sake of safety, interested to see quarterback who we haven't seen at Georgia state, uh, at least in a Georgia state uniform in Darren Granger, and then see how far along McKeeley's come in this uh, spring season. Yeah, so it's just going to be interesting to see um, how it all plays out. Interesting to get those guys out in the field. And just like you said, Brady, it's been the first live football we've had since, you know, December. So um, always good to, uh, to you know, kick the dust off and, uh, and get out and do a little bit of spring football. But transitioning over to a little bit of basketball news. So the second signing period for Georgia State basketball has opened and opened up with a bang with uh, Chin Hao Ma. Uh, a 6'7 forward from Taiwan signing with the Panthers officially this week. Um, he played his prep ball uh, at in the States at the Skill Factory in Atlanta, Georgia. But the thing that sticks out for this particular player uh, shot 60% from the perimeter this season. Let's just start to unpack that, first of all, because that's that to me just is the first thing that jumps out is like a, we can get to the rest later. I want to hear more about this. So what does that mean? Because like as a basketball person, as somebody who knows about basketball, I know that what you're telling me is of his threes, he shot 60%. Okay. Like that's fine. But even in high school or, you know, the scale factory, wherever that is, I mean, that's absurd. Like that is an absurdly high number. Like, did he shoot like 
three of five at 60 percent or was it you know how many attempts is this guy taking but even then like that's that's such an obscenely high number yeah i mean what it tells you is he's got the shooting fundamentals he's got the replicable motion and like you say shooting threes in high school high school level is not going to be the same in ncaa division one but it tells you i mean guys who are elite college shooters didn't shoot 60 percent in high school so uh it definitely is what jumps off the stat sheet and is definitely the thing that you can say as he continues to develop at georgia state kind of feel like he's gonna have that that he can lean on to say all right put me in i'm gonna make some shots you know i like the size i think um you know, I know we say that every single year with Coach Lanier at this point, um, but there is something to be said about recruiting guys who play kind of on the wing and are still, you know, good size. I mean, six, seven, you know, hopefully if he grows into the frame and, you know, you're looking at like a six, seven to six, ten ish wingspan, hopefully, um, you know, that length matters. That length absolutely affects the things that you can do in the different lineups that you know, Coach Lanier can put on the court. So, you know, that absolutely matters. And, I, you know, hopefully that translates into a basketball player who's, you know, successful in his career at Georgia State. So I feel like just my read of this is that I we don't know how it's going to play out. He could show up and just light it up and they put him in the lineup immediately. It feels like a more long-term, I don't know that he red shirts necessarily, but it seems like I, just being at the size he's at at the NCAA level, he's probably going to have to go through some strength and conditioning to bulk up to be that size and be productive at that size at this level. Uh, but like you say, six seven, and I thought it was interesting and I liked it that in the release from Georgia State, he said is a six seven forward because six seven guard. I mean, that's an NBA thing, and you could be that tall and be a guard, especially if shooting is making you what you do. But it tells me that. They want him to be a little bigger. They want him to probably be maybe like the three, maybe the four if he continues to get you know bigger and bigger as Kyle's career goes on. But the idea is that it's going to be a, I mean, this year Kane at times was the quote quote three. And Georgia State has been wanting to build up the size, wanting to have longer lineups. And so if you've got a guy that is going to be at the three that a couple years six seven I, that alone you can we can point to a couple years from now and be like so we had this guy who was a point guard who actually ended up being the three most of the time in the lineup and now here we are we've got a guy who's actually six seven when coach Lanier started out wanting to talk about looking teams in the face when they go to the big gyms feels like a pretty obvious example of that so i think there's high ceiling we'll see how soon we see it on the court but i mean what can you say about the guy that shoots that good? I, you obviously there's going to be a lot to like if he can get on the court. Something else worth noting is he's played internationally at the under 18 and under 16 level for Chinese Taipei. So, I mean, he's got other experience other than just this, you know, the, the skill factory and the prep stuff that he's done. Um, and clearly, you know, coach Lanier has seen something in him. Um, quote from coach Lanier, um, Chen brings so much to our program basketball wise. He has the size shooting ball skills and feel for the game that will help our team personally. 
Uh, he is humble and brings a selfless attitude that will allow him to fit seamlessly into our program. He has such a bright future, and we are so excited to have him join us. So a lot of uh, potential, you know, and a lot of buzz around uh, anytime you add a 60% three-point shooter to your program, there's going to be buzz. So um, in addition, uh, Jordan Rawls, uh, our uh, transfer from Western Kentucky, um, joining the Panthers as well in this uh, the second signing period, um, averaging about eight points, uh, 2.2 assists, and uh, one and a half rebounds, and about 28 minutes per game um, with the Hilltoppers, and he'll have three years of eligibility remaining. So, you know, more and more now as we're entering, you know, the third full season under the Coach Lanier era is more and more of his fingerprints are showing up in the kind of guys that he's bringing in to the program as well. And he was very upfront at the beginning. He said he wants size and he wants guys. They're going to be able to play physically. Um, and, you know, size has certainly not been an, uh, an issue with the um, players that coach Lanier has been recruiting thus far. Um, but I'm interested to hear what you guys have to think. Um, you know, obviously we have not like sat down and watched, you know, tape on rolls or anything like that. Um, but just a very, very basic glance at what he did in his time with uh, the Hilltoppers this year. You know, he's he's definitely a shooter. He shot 105 threes, only made about 32 percent of them. Um, but the thing that leads me to believe that he is going to be fine shooting that much is he shot 99 of 129 at the free throw line. You know, guys who have, it sounds like he's got that form. You know, it sounds like he's a guy who can rip it. And if there's one thing that I can say I didn't necessarily like about Georgia State this year at times, it was there were times where teams were playing them and kind of leaning on threes and the Panthers didn't really respond with threes. Well, and they responded fine. Um, they responded with good offense, but I think they got into some offensive lulls and a lot of that was predicated on them, not really controlling the game from behind the arc. You know, they, you know, weren't scoring as much from out there um, or really taking a lot of looks out there and, you know, other teams were, and they were hitting them. Um, so, you know, if Rawls comes in and is able to kind of mitigate those issues and improve on his own personal, you know, three point percentage, like that would be really big for Georgia state and help them a lot. He doesn't have to shoot 60% either, by the way. <laughs> We'll we'll see about that. Uh, yeah, I, he was a composite four-star recruit out of high school. Ended up going to Western Kentucky, but had picked up an offer along the way from Coach Lanier. Uh, he would have been it would have been the first year Coach Lanier was putting together a recruiting class. So he didn't land him then, but obviously relationship was there. He's interested in coming back, and so this is another case. Uh, we've talked about this with football and basketball. Just a general thing with where Georgia state's at at the level they're at, that if you can start getting guys who you recruited the first time around to come back and you can have them perform, you can send the message to all the recruits that you're recruiting now out of high school that look, this person came here and they were able to put up the results they needed to and put themselves on the map like they needed to. And so you can trust us that this is the place where you can do that. And so another chance to do that with a guy that would previously offered, um, He's a six one. Uh, I guess the size makes you think he's like a point guard, but from what I've seen from like Western Kentucky fans talking about him on Twitter, kind of like a combo guard type, uh, maybe something like what Corey Allen does 
Uh, and like David said, the free throws tell me the three point shooting is there. The three point shooting is in that shot. It's just those two usually you usually see many three point shooters that are bad free throw shooters. And so I'm not necessarily worried about that. We haven't done the deep dive on all those games to see if he was forcing looks or not, but yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how he works in. And there's also the two freshmen that are already signed in the early period. Uh, the teammates out of Hebel Rook, Jamal Cleach and Danny Stubbs. And uh, so that's four, I guess, technically underclassmen. I think the thing with Rawls is I, I believe the third extra year is his COVID extra eligibility year that everyone is allowed to get. Um, so he has played two years. So he's, I guess, technically a junior right now, but another guy who, if he has three years is an underclassman in technical terms. And so you're building up the young part of the roster. And so I'm interested to see who plays and who doesn't among the group of guys that have come in, in this signing class, because we already have talked about how it's a deep team. And so if a guy who's a freshman amongst this, or if Rawls can come in having not played in the system last year and, insert himself into the rotation i'm gonna think okay i'm really excited to see what this guy's got because he just fought his way into a pretty established roster all right so let's go ahead and move on to baseball who had a weird weather weekend in boone the panthers dropped the opener four to two on friday night a game that itself got delayed multiple times and then played a doubleheader sunday after saturday's game was postponed app state won the opener on sunday nine to seven to cinch the series and we're an inning away from a weekend sweep but georgia state scored nine runs in the ninth inning to take the finale 15 13 and salvage the weekend they sit at four and five in the Sun Belt ahead of a weekend tilt with troy starting this friday there were more late-game heroics Tuesday night in Athens against the University of Georgia as the Panthers scored five in the final frame, but they ultimately fell short, losing 10-7. to The in-state tour continues next week as State hosts Georgia Tech on Tuesday and heads down to Macon to face Mercer for another midweek game on Wednesday. Gentlemen, thoughts on baseball? Really important last game. Specifically, really important last inning against App State. Uh, don't want to ever get swept, and... I feel like different way than the Southern series win uh, the app state saving that game with a big run in the ninth inning can be a good boost. And obviously they did it again against Georgia, even though they didn't end up winning that game. So maybe they're a ninth inning team now uh, looking forward to, I guess they got to wait until they go on the road again. Cause if they're batting in the ninth inning at home this weekend against Troy, then it's either tied or they're losing. And so they can't put up nine runs. Um, but let's get these cardiac cats going. Let's keep, keep the late game heroics going. And maybe next time don't, you know, it'll be five runs for the win instead of five runs coming up short against Georgia. But uh, Georgia tech's going to be coming in angry next week. Uh, Georgia state took it to Georgia tech early in the year, beat them 10 one in uh, Georgia tech stadium. So uh, there's uh, some bulletin bulletin board material for the jackets this week. They're going to be coming in motivated. They're going to be ready to get revenge on Georgia state. And so if Georgia state can win against them twice in the same year, it's a good Georgia tech team certainly would be a real feather in the cap. I have nothing of substance to add, but I'm totally stealing cardiac cats, by the way. Don't think I didn't catch that. All right. So just before we get you guys out of here this week, we did want to remind you of everything going on at the spring game on Friday night. Of course, that is at center park stadium, free admission parking in the green lot will also be free. And there's a couple of different events you can take part if you're wanting to make the trek up to watch the Panthers play. 4.30 p.m., the green lot opens. 
5 p.m., Center Park Stadium Gate 8 opens. That's the big gate right off of Georgia Avenue. 5.15 p.m., the GSU football alumni flag football game will be happening. We don't know exactly who will be present, but uh, according to rumor, there could be 40 to 50 former Panther players there, so make sure to keep an eye out for that. 6.30 p.m., the game kicks off, and then at 8.30 p.m., they're going to be showing a movie on the turf, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, so that should be a lot of fun if you're going to be interested in that. Brady and I will be there, me down on the field taking pictures, Brady up in the press box providing you that game day coverage you know and love. But other than that, that's all we've got for this week. Hope you're all staying safe and healthy, and we will see you back again next week for another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. Bye. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night, or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.